sickness, disease, and lack. Did you know that? It's great to be a citizen of the United States, but you can be a citizen of the United States, still have the great freedoms that the Constitution offers. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're still bound. Bound by sin. And yet there are people who are Christians, they know the Lord, but they're bound by sickness and disease. And yet others, citizens of the United States, all right, born again, they know the Lord Jesus, they don't have sickness in their body, but they don't have money in their pocket. That's not the will of God either. That's bound. You're not free until Jesus makes you free. If you'll notice John 8.36, Jesus himself said that if the Son, talking about himself, the Son of God, makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And so you're not free, really free, until Jesus makes you free. And again, thank God for being a citizen of the United States and the freedom that that affords. But until you make Jesus the Lord of your life and He sets you free, you're not really free. It's only when He makes you free that you're free indeed. Don't ever forget that He set us free, Jesus did. He set us free from spiritual death. What does that mean? Eternal separation from God in hell, in what's known as the lake of fire. He set us free from sickness and disease. And He set us free from poverty and lack. Notice if you would 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who Himself, that's speaking of Jesus, Himself, bore our sins in His own body on the tree or on the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were what? Healed. So in this verse, we see that Jesus set us free from our sins. He bore our sins for us in His own body when He hung on the cross. And then the last part of that verse says, by whose stripes you were healed. So not only did Jesus bear our sins in his own body and the penalty for our sins to set us free from sin, to set us free from hell. You know, when we die, if you don't know Jesus, when you die, your spirit will leave your body. How many of you know that? When you die, your spirit will leave your body. And if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you go up into heaven. Is that wonderful? It's a beautiful, wonderful place, the Bible tells us. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the Bible's very clear. You go down 
into a place of torment known as hell. And you know, Jesus doesn't want anybody to go there. That's why he went to the cross to set us free from that. Isn't that wonderful? But not only did he set us free from hell, he also set us free from sickness and disease. At the same time that he hung on Calvary's cross and bore our sins in his own body, he also bore our sickness and carried our disease. You know, before he went to the cross, he was whipped, he was, he was, he was beaten, he was uh, uh, flogged. How many of you remember reading that in the Bible? And uh, the Romans would, would, it would, would uh, hit you with 39, 40 less one, 39 lashes. You know, if you study into it, there's 39 different categories of sickness and disease. Jesus took a, took a, a lash for every kind of sickness and every kind of disease that, that there is. And uh, he, he bore our, our, our sickness in his body. And when he was raised from the dead, his stripes were healed. And when those stripes were healed, guess what? We got healed with him. Isn't that wonderful? So he set us free not only from sin and the penalty of sin, but he set us free from sickness and disease. And, and we could also look at other, uh, other verses where uh, he set us free from poverty and lack. From poverty and lack. If you want to look at Second uh, John 8, 2 John 8, let's just go there. I wasn't going to have you turn to this one for the sake of time, but... We can do it. There's only one chapter. Second John uh, says, uh, let's see, is that, is that the right one? Second John 8? I thought I had this. Maybe I didn't. Huh? 1-8? I guess I got the wrong one. But find that verse for me, you Bible scholars out there, that said that though he was rich, yet for your sakes... He became poor, that through his poverty you might be made rich. See, I can quote it for you. Which one is that? Second Corinthians. All right, I messed that up. You still love me? I think you ought to write this one down. We'll find it here in just a minute. The Bible says, though he was rich. How many of you know Jesus was rich, wasn't he? Yeah, but but for your sakes... He became poor. Come on, guys. Where is it at? You Bible scholars. I got a new Bible program and sometimes it, it's, it's got a little glitch in it. Sometimes it gives me the wrong, the wrong verse. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty ye might be made rich. Where is it? 2 Corinthians 8.8. 8. Okay. Well, which is it? 8.8 8 or 8.9? Okay. Let's go there, Bonnie. Turn over there in that. 2 Corinthians 8.9. For though you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know He's graceful? And I messed that verse up. But how many of you still love me? Still love me? I'm human, right? For, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though He was rich. Yet for your sakes, he became what? Poor. Poor. That through his poverty, through his poverty, you might become what? Now that doesn't mean everybody's going to be a millionaire. How many of you know that? But rich in the Bible means an abundant supply. An abundant supply. So, so, So look at this. 
For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become what? Rich. How many of you know you, you, can, you, you can be a Christian, you can be on your way to heaven, you can have no sickness and disease in your body, but if you don't have any money in your pocket, that's a, that's a, that's a curse, isn't it? And, and so Jesus did everything he did through his redemptive work to set us free from sin, from hell, from sickness, from disease, to set us free from poverty and lack. How many of you are thankful that he set us free? And whom the Son has set free is what? Is free indeed. And do you know that all you have to do to experience the freedom that Jesus has made available to us, all you have to do to experience that is simply believe in your hearts. Believe in your hearts. How do, you, how do you get saved? How do you miss hell and make heaven? Well, you, you simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you get saved. That's how you miss hell and make heaven. All you have to do, with a, if you have a repentant heart, how many know, knows what a repentant heart is? This is a heart that's sorry for your sins, and you don't want to live, live sinfully anymore. If you'll, with a repentant and a believing heart, say, Jesus, come into my heart. As faster than you can snap your finger, faster than you can bat your eye, the Spirit of God translates you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Isn't that wonderful? Before you have time to get to the water to be water baptized, you're already translated into the kingdom of God's dear son and ready for heaven. Isn't that wonderful? And then you ought to get water baptized after you get saved. Is that right? That's how you receive salvation. You know, the way you receive anything from God is by believing. How do you receive things from God? By believing. To believe is to receive. You don't, you don't ever want to forget that. And don't ever forget this. There's nothing that we can do to earn anything from God. Don't ever forget that. It's by His grace, His unmerited favor. God has provided freedom to us. And all we have to do to, 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 to get that freedom, whether it's to be saved or whether it's to be healed or whether it's to have, have, have prosperity, is simply through believing in our hearts. Not in our heads, but where? In our hearts. Okay? You alright? Believe where? In your heart. Now, it just seemed good to the Spirit of God, having said that. I want to say some things today to you about healing. One thing I've learned about pastoring after all these years, there's always people that need physical healing. There's always people need that. And, and, And they always do. Everywhere I've ever been, everywhere I've ever preached... Uh, people, I'm talking about Christians now and, and non-Christians, everybody I've found needs healing. All you have to do, has anybody ever gone to, to the hospital around noontime? Anybody ever go to visit somebody in the hospital? You know it's hard to find a parking spot. You know why that is? Because people are sick and they need healing. And uh, no difference at the church. I've found this over the many years preaching at this church and several others. You can never say too much about healing. I said you can never say too much about it. So, 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 so it just seems like we need to say some things about that here today. Um, notice if you would, uh, 
Because, you see, you can be a Christian on your way to heaven and still be sick as a dog. Is that right? I'm talking about sick in your body. How many of you know if you're sick in your body, you're not free, are you? Are you? No. And I know I know any number of Christians. Again, they're Christians. They're born again. They're going to heaven. All right. Wonderful. But they're sick in their body. They, 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 they're, they're sick in their body. And that's not being free. Jesus wants you free in every area, spiritually, physically, financially. He wants you free in every area. Okay? And, and uh, so we're going to say some things about, about healing here today. Look at Acts 10.38. Now, I know this one's right. I've got this one right. Acts 10.38. was pretty good, though. I was able to quote that scripture for you a while ago, and I had the wrong verse. So we're doing good, aren't we? Ought to be able to do that after doing this as long as I've done it. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. So you have the Heavenly Father anointing, or we could say empowering, Jesus of Nazareth. That's the Son of God. You understand that? With the Holy Spirit and with what? With what? Power. Who went about doing what? Good and what? Healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, in this one verse, in this one verse of Scripture, you've got some of the most wonderful theology you're ever going to find in the whole Bible. First of all, you have a picture of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You have God the Father anointing the Son, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, you understand Jesus is the Son of God. You also have to understand that in the earth, in his earthly ministry... He was 100% God, 100% man, but in the earth he did not operate as God. He he operated as a man anointed with the Holy Spirit. You need to understand that. If he was operating as God, he wouldn't have needed to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. Is that right? So you have the Father empowering or anointing the Son, Jesus, with the Holy Spirit and with power... And what did he go about doing? He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So who's the good one? Is God the good one or is the devil the good one? God's the good one. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God manifest in three specific different persons. Yet one, three, yet one. I can't explain it. It's the Trinity. One God, yet three specific persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Operating in total and complete unity. They are good. The devil's bad. What does God do? He goes around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Did you get that? Do you see that? God doesn't put sickness and disease on people. You need to understand that. I said God does not put sickness and disease on people. Now, somebody, when I say that, will go say, they'll go right over to the Old Testament and say, well, you see, God did this and he did that and he did. Look, you go study the Old Testament out. God's will was never to put sickness and disease on people. What happens is, 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 and it's no different today. If you stay close to God and you stay real close to him and walk with him, you, the power, the healing power of God, he'll keep you well. It really, really will. It really, really will. But if you get out, from where God wants you to be, all right, then the devil can attack you. Did you hear what I just said? 
Did you hear that? Now, right away, the thought's going to come. I know people that they stay real close to God and sickness hits them. How many of you know the devil is a creep? He really is. And even if you're living close to God, the devil can sometimes get in and strike a blow. But I tell you what, if you stay close to God and you stay close to Jesus, the healing power of God will heal you. Can you say amen? And what I don't want to ever have happen around here is I don't want to ever, ever, anybody, if sickness hits them, I don't want you to immediately say, you know, I'm a bad person or I missed it somewhere or this or that. Now, it is possible you could have missed it. It is possible you could have got out from the perfect will of God and it is possible the devil could strike you. But if you've gotten out from the perfect will of God, guess what? You All you have to do is what? Repent and get back in. Is that right? But if you've been walking before God and living right, the devil strikes you in some way. Listen to the rest of this message. Believe God, stand in faith, and the power of God will heal you. Can you say amen? But I know some churches where, you know, if you get sick in your body, you know, they'll put you down for getting sick. And they'll say, where did you leave the, where did you leave the door open to the devil? We, we, we don't have time to be like that. Can you say amen to that? You know the reason I'm not judgmental is because how many has ever seen the Wizard of Oz besides me? And, and you know when that, when that house came down and hit the first witch, and then Dorothy shows up, remember that? And then the second witch, she comes in there and she's going off on Dorothy, and remember what the good witch said, you better watch out so the next house doesn't fall on you. I don't want the next house to fall on me. So don't ever be judgmental of anybody, because you don't want the next house to fall on you. Is that right? Is that correct? Are you okay? All right. But I'll tell you what, if sickness has hit your body for whatever reason, for whatever the reason is, I've got good news for you here today. Jesus can drive the sickness out. Amen? Did you hear me? He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Somebody said, well, you know, sickness... Yeah, or they'll say Jesus isn't in the, in the healing business anymore. They'll say that all passed away with the last apostle. Well, thank you. I'll give you $100,000 right now if you can. This always makes my wife nervous when I say this. But if you can go into the Bible and find for me where, where Jesus isn't in the healing business anymore. You can't find it. It's not in there. He's in the healing business. And really, you don't have to look any further. And I wasn't going to turn to this one either, but let's see if I can get this one right. Hebrews 13.8. Let's see if I got this one right. You need to know this. Because some people think that God's not in the healing business anymore. I know when I was in the Baptist church. Thank God for the Baptists. I love the Baptists. I am a Baptist at heart. Was raised in the Baptist church. Thank God for the Baptists now. Amen. They probably get more people saved than anybody else, and I'm still a Baptist at heart. Can you say amen? Thank God for the Baptist. But one day I was reading in the Scripture, and I found out that, that there's the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And you can, you can get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I became a Pentecostal, but I'm still a Baptist at heart. And so I'm a Baptocostal, you see. Baptocostal, just a Baptist that got filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, of course, what happens when you get the Baptists together with the Pentecostals? What happens? Pandemonium happens. That's what happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Because you know as well as I do that all the apostles before the day of Pentecost were all Southern Baptists, weren't they? But on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost fell, they, they had the day of Pentecost and the Baptists got filled with the Holy Ghost and there was pandemonium on the streets. Is that right? And you had to have Peter get up and start explaining what was going on to the visitors, you see. You haven't had a Holy Ghost service until you've had to have the pastor explain to the visitors what's going on, you see. Or the Baptist visitors, you see. You understand that? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I said, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And notice in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the what? Same when. When else? When else? So if he was healing yesterday, guess what? He's healing and he's still going to be healing what? Tomorrow. Isn't that wonderful? Say, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's good news, isn't it? He's still in the saving business. He's still in the healing business. He's still in the baptizing in the Holy Ghost business. Glory to God. He's still in the provision business. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Glory to God. So he went about doing good healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. He was doing that way back 2,000 years ago. He was doing that way back in the Old Testament. He is doing it yesterday. You've come too late to tell me God's not in the healing business. I've seen God heal hundreds of people right in this church over the last 20 years. I tell you what, cancers have left. Ears have popped open. All kinds of different things have happened. Glory to God. One night, praise God, on a Wednesday night. I was standing up here, glory to God, and I was ready to close my sermon. And I tell you what, I was standing here and I looked at the people and they looked me at me. And the power of God came on me and I just took off a running. And I ran right around this room, glory to God. I got back up to the front. I stood here. I looked at the people. They looked at me. I didn't know that anything had happened. I got home later that night and I said to my wife, I said, I, I felt like a fool. How did I look? She never answered me. She still hasn't answered me to the present hour. So I'm thinking, why did I run around the room and look like a fool? The next day, the phone rings. My assistant picks it up and says, hello. There was a lady sitting back over there on the last seat on that back row. She said, I had, she said, my belly had been blown up like a basketball I hadn't been able to eat for several days. She said, when the pastor ran by me, power, heat, power, power, heat, heat, power got off on me. It jumped off of him onto me. My belly deflated. It went down. I was totally healed. And I went out that night and I had a hamburger. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Praise God forevermore. Thank God for the healing power of God. Seen all kinds of different things. I remember one time standing right over here. There was a lady had a lump on the back of her neck about the size of a golf ball. Spirit of God said to me right down on here in the inside, slap it and curse it in the name of Jesus. We slapped it. We cursed it in the name of the Lord Jesus. How many of you know the name of Jesus is above every name? That at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. Every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. He's given him a name of Above every name, praise God. And we curse that thing in the name of Jesus. And in 24 hours, that thing deflated and went away. Glory to God. Hallelujah, praise God. Can you say amen? God's in the healing business. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I could tell you one story right after another. 
There was one fellow here one time, he had fibromyalgia. He was a very intelligent man. But that thing had worked on his brain to the point he couldn't figure out how to get home from St. Louis back to his house in one of the suburbs. He couldn't, he had to call his wife and get directions. I had a healing line that day and he didn't come up in the line. And I was thinking in my head, why didn't he come up in the line? The Spirit of God. See, the devil will talk to you up here, but the Spirit of God will speak to you right down in here. Spirit of God said to me, right on the inside, didn't hear verbal, audible, but right on the inside, directed, go over and slap him in the name of Jesus. He was sitting right, right over here. I went over, he was about three seats back. I said, be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus. Instantly, he was healed. Can you say amen? Glory to God. And he called me on the phone. He said, I'm going to bring some boxing gear next time I come to church. Now, I can't heal anybody. But Jesus is still in the healing business. I said, he's still in the healing business. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now... The thing you also need to realize, let me get back to my notes. I got off my notes a little bit. That we have to hold fast to the things that we've received from God. Look at Revelation 2.25. Look at Revelation 2.25. Boy, I like that preaching anointing. Look at this. Jesus told one of the churches there in the book of Revelation. And so it, it goes for us too. Revelation 2.25. Hold fast what you have till I come. Hold fast to it. Hold fast to it. Hold fast to it. I'm going to hold fast. I'm going to hold fast to the things that I've received from God. I don't want to lose any of the things that I've received from God. I'm going to hold fast. That means to grip tightly. It also has the implication of continuing in. I'm going to continue in the things that I've learned from God, from the Holy Written Word. I'm going to continue preaching the new birth. I'm going to continue to preach that there's a heaven to to gain and a hell to shun. I'm going to continue to preach that Jesus is the healer. I'm going to continue to preach that he's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to continue to preach that he's a provider. I'm going to continue. I don't care what anybody else is doing. That's their business. I'm going to continue. I'm going to hold fast to that which I've received from God. And you need to do the same. I'm going to hold fast to the healing power of God. I'm going to hold fast to it. And you know why you have to hold fast to it? Because there's a thief out there. His name is Satan. And I hate the devil. I really do. Look at John 10.10. Go there real quick. John 10.10. Be quick with me this morning. Quick with your sword. You know your sword is your, is your Bible. The sword of the Spirit. You need to know something else. The devil's not afraid of you as long as you're just holding your Bible. But he gets afraid when you get that Bible down in your heart. You get it coming out your mouth. Now the devil's got a problem. Now look at John 10.10. Jesus said, the thief, that's the devil, does not come except to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But then Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Glory to God. You see, God's the good one, the devil's the bad one, you see. But you need to know the devil's a thief. And he comes to steal, 
But he also wants to kill you and he wants to destroy you. You need to understand that. He's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Well, what has he come to steal, Pastor Terry, you might ask. And I'm say, I'm glad you asked the question. Let me answer it. Go to Matthew 13 and verse 18. The main thing the devil is after, and what are, what are we doing here? Real loud, say, hold fast. We need to hold fast. Notice here, Matthew 13, 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower, Jesus said. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not, what? Understand it. Then the wicked one comes and snatches or steals away that word that was sown in his heart. You need to understand something. The devil can't steal from you if you won't let him. A lot of times people think, well, the devil's out there and he's, you know, he's going around and he can just steal from me at will. No, the devil can't steal from you at will. The Bible says he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking those whom he, what? May devour. If you really study into that, he's seeking those who will give him permission to devour them. If you won't give him permission, he can't devour you. Now, he might get a shot. In, you know the devil will sucker punch you. You know what a sucker punch is? How many knows what a sucker punch is? He, 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 a sucker punch is, is when you're not looking. That's all right. That's all right. You're, you're okay. But coming up and hitting somebody when they're not looking. The de- How many of you, the devil really is a coward. How many of you know some of these terrorists? How many of you know Osama bin Laden? Remember him? But, but, but when somebody's stronger, see, see, he's a coward. And you know how I know that? Because, you see, as long as he's picking on women and children and whatnot, he's over there wherever he was hiding in the cave, he's big, powerful. But when the Navy SEALs come in and look him right in the eye, guess what? He's going to hide behind women and children. Is that right? And you need to know the devil is a coward. And he'll go around picking on people, you know, that don't know the Word of God as they should. But I'm telling you what, if you get in the Word of God and you rise up and and know who you are in Christ, and you stand there with your big brother Jesus, your Lord and Savior, I tell you what, the devil will start running for somebody to hide behind. Glory to God. Did you hear me? But he goes about seeking those who he may devour. And notice here again, you got to get this. When anyone, this is Matthew thirteen eighteen. when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not, what? Understand it. Now, here's the thing. How many of you have ever read a scripture, if you're like me, you've read a scripture and you just didn't understand it? Or you heard a preacher preach something and you didn't understand it? You didn't really understand it. Anybody, has that ever happened besides me? That word there doesn't mean, well, you heard something and you didn't understand it. I mean, that's happened to all of us. You study into that word, and it means this. If you hear the word and you don't esteem it, you hear the word of God and you don't value it. You hear the word of God and you don't study it. You hear the word of God and you don't pay any attention to it. Then the devil has a right to come and steal it from you. It doesn't mean that you heard the word, you didn't understand it, and it's not talking about that. It, what this is talking about is you hear the word, and you don't esteem it, you don't value it, you don't pay attention to it. 
In other words, you have the attitude, boy, I hope, I just wish he'd hurry up and get done preaching so I can get out of here and go to lunch. Well, if you have that attitude, see, then what happens is, before you hit the door back there, the devil has come and stolen the word from your heart. Did you hear me? This word actually means, if I studied into it a little bit, it's kind of like, and it's like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. If you put a jigsaw puzzle together, do you have to give it pretty much your full attention? Yes. And it's the same connotation here. If you'll hear the word of God and you'll give it the same attention, you would give a jigsaw puzzle. You'd give it the same attention that, that, that and you just keep it before you and you say, well, I may not understand it all, but I'm going to understand it. I'm going to pay attention to it. I'm going to esteem it. If you have that attitude, the devil cannot steal the word from you. But if you have the attitude, well, I'm just going to bring my Bible in on Sunday morning and I'll flip while he's talking and then after I'll throw it in the back seat and pick it up next Sunday. See, you're not paying attention to it. You're not esteeming it. It's not valuable to you. And if that's the case, then guess what? The devil can steal it. So you see, if you'll pay full attention to the word of God, that's another way of saying you're holding fast. Real loud say holding fast. And if you don't hold fast, and I, you know, I'm holding the Bible here to give you a, a, an example, but it's not just, it's not just hugging it and, and going to bed and sleeping with it under your pillow. I mean, some people do that, that's fine. But you've got to get the Word of God where? In your heart. And meditate on it. Did you hear what I just said? And if you'll do that, the devil can't steal it from you. Why? Because you're what? Holding fast. If you don't hold fast, if you don't hold fast, the devil will steal it from you. We saw that in the United States. This last election, I think some Christians finally realized, hey, if we don't wake up here and get to those voting booths, we see that some of our freedoms are being taken away. So we're going to start holding fast and we're going to go out and vote. And thank God, I believe we've moved the right way in the last election. And I'm not saying Donald Trump is perfect, but I'm praying for him. How about you? And considering the alternative, I'm glad that the results were the way they went. And it had nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman. I'm all for having a woman president. But let's just have, if we have one, let's have a godly one. Can you say amen? Did you hear what I just said? I don't care what sex you are. I don't care what color you are. I just want you to be godly if you sit in the Oval Office. Is that right? Can you say amen? Amen. God doesn't look at skin color. He looks at heart color. Do you hear me? Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Now, hopefully that didn't offend you what I said about politics there. But can't you see that, that it, 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 things was going the wrong way? Is that right? Our freedoms. Taken away from us. We have to hold fast. Has nothing to do, has nothing, has nothing to do with the sex of the person sitting in the Oval Office. If they're a male or a female is what I mean by that. Did you hear what I said? I don't care if they're a male or a female. I don't care what color their skin is. 
I want them to be a godly person. I don't know if I ought to say that or not. I'm going to say it. This is a Christian nation. And I want a Christian sitting in the Oval Office, not a Muslim. But we love the Muslims. But I want a Christian sitting in there. Now, did I just lose anybody there? I'm all for the Christians. I'm all for the Muslims. I'm all for the Buddhists. I'm all for the Hindus. I'm all for all of them. But unless you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're not going to make heaven. Did I lose anybody on that? And I was very concerned when the former president said that this wasn't a Christian nation. It was a Christian nation. It is a Christian nation. But we were moving away from that. And I pray God we move back toward it. Do you still love me? I might have lost somebody there. Does that make you nervous there, Diane? She, she gets up to turn around and see if anybody's left. Do you know God loves the Muslims, doesn't he? I love them all in my heart. I really do. You know, Jesus is appearing to some of them. Get them saved. Amen. I'm all for them. I don't want to go any further on that, but... This is a Christian nation. And I'm going to hold fast. Say hold fast. I'm going to hold fast to that. I don't care what anybody is saying. Now let's conclude this sermon. And I want you to go very quickly with me to Mark 129. You getting anything out of this today? Now, as soon as they'd come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew and... One reason the nation has deteriorated is because I've moved on my servants from pulpits to speak, thus saith the Lord, and say things that would make people uncomfortable, but many have cowered back and have been afraid of the people. So do not cower back, but stand firm and say, thus saith the Lord, and let the chips fall where they may. And I'll bless the church, I'll bless the ministry, and I'll continue to provide for those who will say, thus saith the Lord, and not fear man nor beast. That's what the Spirit of God's saying right there. Amen. 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 Now that really was more for me than it was for you. Somebody said, well, he spoke in tongues. and he Well, that's in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Amen. 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 
Again, what happens when the Baptists and the Pentecostals come together? Pandemonium. And I have to explain things, but that's all right. We could use a little pandemonium. I'm here today to tell you it's a whole lot easier to tame wildfire than it is to raise the dead. Did you hear what I just said? I'd rather have a little wildfire running in the church than, than a funeral service. How about you? I said I'd rather have a little wildfire in the church than to have a funeral, than to have a funeral home. How about you? Can you say amen? Glory to God. I'm going to say that again. I'd rather have a little wildfire running in the church. we got to tame it because it's easier to tame a little wildfire than it is to raise the dead. Who wants to go to a funeral parlor? Who wants to go where, where it's dead and dry? But you get a little fire of the Holy Ghost running, praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Whew. Now, as soon as they'd come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon Andrew, James, uh, uh, Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a fever. She's laying there sick. And they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her. Can you say amen to that? Now, why did I read this? We're talking about holding fast. And notice, after she got healed, she went and watched Days of Our Lives. She went and watched Hollywood Squares. No, you don't even know what that is. That was a game show. Uh, she, she went to the park and had a picnic. Now, what did she do? So did she hold fast to what she had received? Yes, she did. If you want to, if you want to receive from God, you need to, you need to believe. And then once He touches your life, you need, you need to hold fast. Real loud, say hold fast. And how is she holding fast? She served them. Look at Mark 5. Go there real quick. Mark 5. Glory to God. Boy, there's a good anointing in here. I mean, the anointing's always good, but it's powerful in here today. Mark 5, 18, and when he got into the boat. Now, this was Jesus had just healed the maniac of Gadara. He just cast a, a, a legion of demons out of this guy. How many of you, if you had a legion of demons, you'd be glad if you got set free? And he just got set free. Legion of demons went out. He'd just been set free. He, he, he was there in his right mind. He hadn't been in his right mind for a long time. You can read the story up above, but for the sake of time, notice what happens after this man gets set free. Jesus sets him free. Notice verse 18. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus that he could go on vacation. That he could go to the bowling alley. How many of you know there's nothing wrong with bowling? There's nothing wrong with vacation? There's nothing wrong with any, you know. But, but when you just get for, set free from demonic power, how many of you know if you had any good sense, you'd want to hold fast to that and keep serving the Lord? And he begged him that he might be what? With him. I don't know about you, but I get set free from something. Jesus sets me free. I want to hang on to it. I want to hang on to it. I want to hang on to him. How about you? But Jesus didn't permit him. He said, go home to your friends. Tell them what things the Lord's done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And all marveled. Glory to God. You see, this man was a maniac, but Jesus touched his life and he became an evangelist. How many of you know Jesus can make an evangelist out of a maniac? He can make the prostitute pure, the harlot holy. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
I think about uh, 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 Mary Magdalene. He cast seven devils out of her, seven demons out of her, and she was the first one to proclaim. Don't tell me women can't preach the gospel. She's the first one to say, He is risen. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God forevermore. Go to, go to Mark 10, verse 46. They came to Jericho. And they came there and with his disciples, great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many warned him. They warned him to be quiet. I learned a long time ago, if you want to receive something from God, you don't let any devil, you don't let any demon, you don't let anybody shut you up, but you continue to cry out, praise God. You cry out to God until the answer comes. Can you say amen? Many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. I don't know about you, but I'd want to be the kind of person that could stop Jesus in his tracks. And he commanded him to be called. They called the blind man, saying to him, Be a good cheer. He calls for you. Now all of a sudden, you know, (laughs) Jesus likes him, so they're going to like him too. And throwing aside his garment. See, we read right over that. People don't realize what happened. That was his license to beg. That was his license to make a living. When he threw that garment aside, he was burning his bridges. He was selling out. He decided and knew in his heart, I'm not going to be blind anymore. And that was really a big step of faith when he threw that that garment aside. Again, that garment was his license to beg. And in his heart, I believe he was saying, I'm going to get my sight. I know I am. I've got it by faith. I'm going to go up there. He's going to he's going to heal me. I'm not going to need to beg anymore. Glory to God. Can you say amen? He rose and came to Jesus, and Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, say immediately, immediately he received his sight, and he followed Jesus on the road. Can you say amen? He didn't get healed and say, glory to God, now I'm going to go back and beg. Now I'm going to go out fishing. Now I'm going to go out to the party. Now I'm going to go do this. Now I'm going to go do other. No, no, no. He wanted to follow Jesus. What was he doing? Realize, say, he was holding fast. Can't you see that? Peter's mother-in-law, holding fast. The maniac of Gadara, and let's don't call him the maniac, let's call him the evangelist. How about that? He's holding fast. What about Bartimaeus? Glory to God. He's holding fast. Real out, say holding fast. He's holding fast. Luke 17, look at this one. I know I've preached a little bit long, but it'll bless you. You can get things... From preaching that you can't get from teaching. And you can get things from teaching you can't get from preaching. But this morning you're getting both of them, glory to God. You're getting to preach teach here today. Luke 17, 11. 
And it happened as he went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village. There met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. They lifted their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he saw them. He said, go show yourselves to the priests. Why did he say that? Because when someone was healed of leprosy, they'd have to go show themselves to the priests. And Jesus basically, when he said that, was, you're healed. Now go show yourself to the priests. So as it was as they went. See, as they went. It was as they, the step of faith here. As they went, they were cleansed. Now it appears to me they were all cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Hey guys, I only see one person holding fast here. What happened to the other nine? Verse 18, were there not any found to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Now I can't be dogmatic in what I'm about to say. But I've been around the healing ministry a long time, 30 some odd years. And I've walked with God a long time. And I can't dogmatically prove this, but I tell you what, when you don't hold fast to something, you tend to lose it. The devil will come and steal it. Now, I can't dogmatically prove it, but I can, can say with, I think, some, some, some certainty that these nine probably didn't keep their healing. But one of them did. Why? Because that one held fast. Amen? How do you hold fast? You stay in the Word of God. You just stay under the Word of God. You stay in the Word of God. You stay under the Word of God. You find what church you're supposed to be in. You let God lead you, guide you, direct you. And then in that church, God has a local church for everybody. He's got a local pastor for everybody. And in that church, He has an assignment for you to do, whatever that may be. You find what that is and you set your hand to the plow. You stay under the Word of God. You study and meditate on the Word of God daily. And then on Sunday and midweek, whenever it is, you Come and get under that word and stay in the word. Stay holding. Can you say amen? Stay holding fast to it. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna close with this. Go to Mark nine. We're gonna close with this. Mark 9, 14, and when, his, when, when he came to his disciples, Jesus and Peter, James, and John had been up on the mountain praying. He saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with the, the, the nine disciples that, were, that didn't go up on the mountain. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him, greeted Jesus. He had just come down off the mountain of transfiguration. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them, with my disciples? And one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son... Who has a mute spirit. And it seizes him. Throws him down. He foams at the mouth. Gnashes his teeth. And becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples. Saddest thing in the Bible right here. I spoke to your disciples. That they should cast it out. They could not. It's sad when you bring people that are sick. People that need help to a man of God. And they can't help them. This man brought his son to the disciples. And the disciples couldn't help him. But I've got good news for you. If Jesus' disciples can't help you, Jesus can. 
Verse 19, he answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit, that demon spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. How many of you know this kid needs some help? So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. As often as he's thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. How many of you know this guy was in the midnight hour? Jesus said to him, and I want you, as I close this message, I want you to hang on this. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you can believe... All things are possible to him who believes. We need to grab a hold of that, hang on to that, and don't ever turn loose of it. Immediately, the father of the child cried out with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said he's dead. But Jesus picked him up and he was fine. Can you say amen? If you can believe, all things are possible. Why did I conclude with this? The Lord wanted me to conclude with this because there's some people in here, you need to take this home with you today. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Hold on to that, grab a hold of that, and don't ever turn loose of it. I don't care what the situation is. And you need to know that all things are possible to him that believes and that nothing is impossible with God. Now there's people in here in this room that need to hear this. All things are possible with God. I was at a minister's conference about two weeks ago. And this minister there, Doug Jones, an excellent minister. He had heard Brother Hagin. I don't know if you've heard of Brother Hagin, but he's a great minister. Uh, he's gone to be with the Lord now, but he had a great healing ministry. And, and he used to be a pastor years back, and he said there was this lady in his church that she, she and her prayer group could get just about any prayer answered. And, and Doug Jones, who was Brother Hagin's student, had heard Brother Hagin say that for years, and years came and went, and finally Doug Jones got to meet this lady. And he said to her, he said, dear sister, can I ask you a question? And she said, certainly. She said, how is it that you were able to pray and get all these, you know, all these the cancer leave people and, and all kinds of things? Uh, you know, how, how is it that you were able to get all these prayers answered? And she said, why? That's easy. She said, back in my day and the way I still am today, She said, when a prayer request came to me and to our group, we just began to talk about how big God is and that nothing is impossible to him. And by the time we got talking about how big God is, by the time we got around to praying for the problem, the problem looked very small. But you all, she said to him, what you tend to do is when a, 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 a report comes that it's cancer, terminal cancer, this, that, or the other, whatever the case, 
you magnify the problem and talk about the problem so much that by the time you get around to praying, the problem looks so big that, 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 that you don't have any faith to pray. She said, begin to magnify God and weigh the problem against God, and then the problem looks very small. And that's what I want to leave you with today is hear the word of God, believe the word of God, let Jesus set you free, and then take hold of that word, hold fast to that, know that nothing with God is impossible and that all things is possible to them who believe, and hang on to that and always weigh your problem against God and not against yourself and minimize the problem. And don't ever forget this, God is the God that parted the Red Sea, he's the God that made bitter water sweet. He's the God that brought manna daily to the people. He's the God that brought water from a rock. He's the God that can make a donkey speak. He's the God that can divide the Jordan River. He's the God that can make the walls of Jericho fall. He's the God who could make the sun and the moon stand still. He's the God that raised the dead to life. He's the God that healed the lepers. He's the God that caused the oil and the meal to continue to flow. He's the God who made the poisonous food good to eat. He's the God who can make the axe head float. He's the God who can make the young boy kill the giant. He's the God who can stop the lion's mouth. Glory to God. He's the God who can make you fireproof in the midst of the fiery furnace. Glory to God. He's the God who can take 20 loaves of bread and feed a 100 men and have some left over. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. That was in the Old Testament, but now we come into the New Testament and He feeds the multitudes with a few loaves and a few fish and He does it twice and there's more left over. Glory to God. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. The blind see. The mute speak. The demons are cast out. There's money in the fish. The dead are raised. Did I say that before? Well, I said it again. Glory to God. He can cause you to catch fish when there ain't no fish to be caught. Glory to God. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Yeah, He's the God who can steal. Glory to God. He's the God who can steal the storm. He can turn the wine. Glory to God. From water, praise God. And not only that, He's the God who can walk on the water. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Stand with me if you would and raise your voice. Raise your hands to God. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. 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 Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of people in here. And uh, Stormy, Stormy, Stormy like the disciples out on the sea. Stormy, Stormy, Stormy. Stormy weathers come to thee. Yeah. Stormy, stormy. Stormy. Looks like the boat's, the boat's taking on water. 
It's taking on water. Boat's taking on water. Yeah, the boat's taking on water. Looks like it's going to sink. The professionals have said it's going to sink. Going to go under. Don't have much time. Going to sink. Going to sink. The professionals have said it's going to sink. Going under stormy. Storm, storm, storms. 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 Stormy weather. Boats taking on water. Going to sink. But in the fourth watch of the night, we'll say it this way, in the midnight hour, when it looks like all hope is gone, there comes one walking on the water. His name is Jesus. Walking on the water. Here he comes, walking on the water. Walking on the water. Walking on the water. The Bible said, and he would have passed them by. Oh, yeah, he'd have passed them by. But they didn't let him pass them by. He, they cried out. They cried out. Cried out. Cried out. Oh, yeah. You read that in Mark's gospel account. They cried out. They took hold of him and they wouldn't let him go. And he said to the storm, Peace! Be still. Hmm. It was calm. Everything was calm. And then they said, come up. And then Peter, he went out for a little walk, you know. (laughs) And then they took Jesus on the boat. And then immediately where they were at the land they were supposed to be at. So when Jesus comes walking on the water, let him. Let him on your boat. Grab hold of him. Don't turn him loose. Now if that's for you, you grab a hold of him. Uh, I, I, I just, I, I just, I just work here. I, the Spirit of God telling me to say this. I'm going to say this. There's, uh, uh, and it's for your good now. It's for your good. There, 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 there's, 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 a, there's somebody here that you think this is kind of, this, this kind of, kind of foolishness. This, this, all this hoopty law. But on out in your future, you're going to need this message. Because the crises of life come to us all. And right now, you've got smooth sailing for the most part. But there's going to come something that's going to come up in your life. And uh, you can't see it now, but I see the end from the beginning, saith the Lord. See, that's, and, and, and it's going to come up in your life. But if you listen to the principles of this message, I'll come walking on the water, so to speak, to you too. And if you cry out to me at that time, because this message will come back to you, cry out to me, and I'll and I'll deliver you. 
He's a good God. Hallelujah. And you won't think this is hoop de la anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? I don't know who that's for, but that's what the Holy Ghost is saying. He's a good God. I said He's a good God. I'll turn you loose here in just a minute. We're not quitting today till the Holy Ghost wants to quit. Just, just go on just a little longer here. Brother Hagen, I was listening to him the other day on YouTube. He, he was talking about ministers. Some of them that they were against healing. They didn't believe in healing. And they, 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 they were going to get up in their pulpits and speak against healing. And he talked, I think, about three different ones. And uh, they said, that before we get up in our pulpit and preach against this, we're going to go to a healing meeting. And we're going to see just what does go on at these healing services. And then we'll be well armed to get up in our pulpits and talk about against healing. And he said all three of them at different times, three different stories. They went, These preachers would go to these healing meetings. And they got healed of something that was in their body. Jesus healed them. And then they got up in their pulpit and preached for healing, not against it. Isn't that wonderful? That's just like God, isn't it? How many of you know God's not mad at anybody? He loves people. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to close right now. If you need healing in your body, I don't feel impressed to have you come up here. We're going to declare the word over you. If you need healing in your body, you just lay your hand on whatever part of the body that you need healing in, wherever that is. You just lay your hand on whatever part of the body you need healing in. You just lay your hand on whatever part of the body you need healing in. You just go ahead and do it now. Just lay your hands on whatever part of the body you need healing in. Now I'm going to declare the word. And when I do, when I say be healed in Jesus' name, all you do is say, Lord Jesus, I receive that. And the healing power of God will come into your body. And then you hold on to it. Stay in the word of God. Don't turn loose of it. You hear me? See, if you were in this service and you just had a short time to live, according to the doctors, you'd be all right with you if I stayed till 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you know. <laughs> if we want the full flow of the power of God, we've got to be willing to wait on Him. All right, you ready to receive? Now, Satan, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Sickness and disease, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Cancer, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the head of the church. And I command you to loose your hold on God's people. And right now, I release the healing power of God to these people. In this service and online, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed. Now say, I receive that healing. Receive that power. Glory to God. 
Now raise your hands to God and thank Him for it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Some of the greatest testimonies we've ever had in this church is when I prayed for the people and they didn't feel a blasted thing. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. You don't have to feel something. You don't have to fall down. You don't have to roll on the floor. But you have to believe. And I've had people come back from doctors with doctor's reports. And they were healed. When I prayed for them, they didn't feel any different. I didn't feel anything. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. Some of the greatest testimonies, they didn't feel a thing. But they held on to that power. And they let it work in them. They let it work in them. They stayed Yes, I'm, I've got to say that. How many has ever, you've had something in your body and you've gone to the doctor and you, they gave you a shot and then they told you to go to the pharmacy and take the medicine? Well, if you've got good sense, after they give you the shot, you're going to go to the pharmacy and get the medicine and take it, right? Is that right? Anybody that has a brain is going to do that. Is that right? And if you just get the shot, you don't go to the pharmacy and take the medicine for the next 7 to 10 days. Now, that's just, that's just stupid. Is that right? That may not be a good word, but that's what it is. Is that right? So now you've gotten the shot. Now you go and stay in the Word of God, and the Word is medicine. And you just stay in it. Stay in it. Just, just read it a little bit every day. Keep that medicine. I'd read it a little in the morning. Uh, how, what, is, what is it? Every four hours. I'd read it every... There's somebody in here that you need, other than when you're sleeping, you need to read something every four hours. Just read healing scriptures at least every four hours. Read, read, read. Yeah, three. Three healing scriptures every four hours. That's your prescription. Now, if that's for you, grab a hold of it. Three healing scriptures... Every four hours, except when you're sleeping. Did you get that? How many? Three healing scriptures every... How long do I have to do that? However long it takes. Hallelujah. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Praise God. Okay, now... If you need Jesus as your Savior, you've never received Him, there's going to be some men and women standing up here. Once we dismiss, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, hightail it. You know what I mean when I say hightail it? As fast as you can go get up here and, and say, I want to know Jesus. And they'll pray with you. You can miss hell and make heaven, but you've got to do it by receiving Jesus. Okay? I'm glad I came today. How about you? Praise God. Well, let's raise our hands one more time to Him and thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Thank you. Yeah, you raise. so why do they raise your hands? Why do they do that? Because the Bible says lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. That's what the Bible says. The raising of your hands is the, is the universal sign of surrender. I remember when I was in the Baptist church, came over among the Pentecostals, and they said, raise your hands. I stuck my hands in my pocket. And, and, and then over years, as years came and went, I rose my, about a year, I rose my hands about halfway until I heard a preacher say that anything's flying half-staff is dead. And then when I heard him say that, I, I stuck him up there, praise God. But now around here, you don't have to do anything, you know. We don't have to raise it, but, but, but there is scripture for it. Universal sign of surrender, glory to God, hallelujah. Isn't Jesus wonderful? 
Isn't Jesus wonderful? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I tell you what, there, there's a, there is a flow of the Spirit that, that, that the Holy Ghost wants to hit this church with. We just, we, just, we just touched it a little bit today. I'm talking about a preaching anointing that, glory to God. That, yeah, I tell you what, it's, it, but it's up to us if we're going to flow with it or not. Hallelujah. Healing of the sick.